It is well with my soul because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Redeemer. He's our King. He's our healer. And he is a lover of our soul. And it is well with our soul. Father, we thank you for that truth today in song that it is well with my soul. We thank you that we do have peace like a river flowing through us because of your great love and affection for us. We ask today that as we look to your word, as we, as we speak of issues that are gripping our world today, that, Father, you would give us your grace, your love, your peace, your understanding to be able to navigate a pathway towards strength, healing, restoration. And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of my message today is, What Are We Going to Do? about racism. I was asked this question this week by a remarkable young woman who sent a, a post to me, and she wanted to know what the church was going to do about racism. And she had a bunch of other questions in there, and they're all good questions. And they're questions that are on the minds of people everywhere today in the wake of the uh, violence that has broke out and, and the issues that have come to surface once again uh, as a result of the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. They have us asking questions regarding racism and how as a culture can we still, 155 years after the end of the Civil War, be grappling with issues of racism? You know, I abhor racism. I've lived my life committed to the truth of Scripture that states emphatically in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, and he made uh, from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on the face of the earth. And he made from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on the face of the earth. Dennis Peacock, a Berkeley graduate who invested his young adult life in the civil rights movement, he noted, I have witnessed racism around the world, and it has driven history with its poisonous ethnic venom. Americans, because we tend to be provincial and country-centered, tend to think of racism as a uh, black-white ethnic exploitation. But it's much wider than that. We could list the history of ethnic cleansing, and it goes far beyond just the poison we institutionalized with American slavery. Racism, the notion of ethnic superiority, will never change until we commonly recognize that our Creator made us one from one common bloodline. When we truly understand that we're brothers and sisters and descendants of one man, one man who actually fell, who disobeyed the Lord, one man who was a fallen man, we are all descendants of that one man, but we're all redeemed through one man as well. One man who came, the perfect man, who gave his life on the cross, who shed his blood for all, one man, is also our Redeemer. That just as sin entered the world and division and strife entered the world through one man, one man that we are all descendants of, so too redemption has come through one man, through one individual, through one bloodline, the blood of Jesus Christ. And he showed us a way, he carved out a way, a superior way, the way of love. Stephen Covey uh, wrote a book, a remarkable book, a number of years ago, I think maybe 20, 30 years ago, 
called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he establishes in habit number five, one of the most powerful yet difficult habits to master. And it's the habit, are you ready for this, to first seek to understand and then seek to be understood. First seek to understand and then seek to be understood. This means listening and listening deeply. My dad used to say to me all the time, the Lord gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen as twice as much as you talk. And you know, the reality is we have to learn to listen deeply. And listening deeply means not just hearing the words, but seeing and acknowledging the person and the passion behind the message, behind the words. I think when it comes to addressing racism, Steve Covey's advice is invaluable. Although it's going to take uh, blacks and Native North Americans and Asians and whites all sitting down together and working toward a solution to end racism in our world, especially here in North America. You know what? I understand. I understand why the words of whites are often disqualified when speaking to the issue of racism. Since if we're honest, if we're honest, in our culture as whites, we've never really been the victim of racism's poison. So for me, I'm slow to speak on these issues. I don't jump on the internet and give my opinion. I don't, uh, you know, get involved in all of the, what I consider to be almost meaningless, effortless uh, virtue signaling that takes place on social media. I really don't have much use for it. Uh, I'm not one who gets involved in that. Instead, I want to hear thoughtful responses by invested people who have been victims of racism, but have risen above and beyond its poison and dedicated their lives to making the world a place where the tentacles of racism no longer hold it in its grip. So to that end, this past week I found myself, in the last couple weeks in particular, listening to the voices of black North Americans and, and Cana black Canadians and indigenous North Americans. I want to hear what they have to say about racism. I read articles by black pastors and teachers and activists. I watched videos on racial harmony by black speakers and pastors, like uh, Tony Evans, who pastors a huge church in Dallas, Texas, and is the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, I know he's got to have something quality to say because I love football too, and we have that in common. And all of the things that I saw and all of the words that I listened to and all the videos I watched were excellent. And they need to be viewed. You need to take the time to go and to listen to what people have to say, what people of color have to say about the issue of racism. But probably the article that touched me the most was written by a gentleman that probably most of you have never heard of, and his name is Clint Reddy. And he's one of the pastors of River Valley Church in Minneapolis. And he lives only 10 blocks from where George Floyd was killed. Clint Reddy was born in South Africa, where racial inequality, disempowerment, and injustice were hard-coded into the law and order. There, he writes, the color of skin mattered. It defined what buses you could ride, what stores you could shop at, what schools you could attend, what bathrooms you could use. That was the life my parents lived. It was the life my grandparents lived. It's a life that stretched back generations before me. And what the last days in our city seem to suggest 
is that, the, is that that kind of injustice and pain stretches on to today. Clint continues and he says, Sure, it's not explicitly coded into the law in South Africa or America anymore that the color of your skin should determine the course and opportunity of your life. Nowhere in the American or South African constitutions will you find obviously discriminatory language. Yet the lived experience of people of color is that the realities of prejudice and injustice are obviously real. Clint speaks about how as the riots broke out, at first he said, I, I felt safe. After all, they were 10 blocks away. They weren't really in my neighborhood. He said the chaos and the frustration, he said they, they were out there. But then he says, I started to feel something in here, in me. It reminded me that the world is full of broken systems, broken people, and broken attempts to get back to normal. The problem with normal, whether it was pre-COVID normal or pre-George Floyd normal, is that normal to some is the antithesis of what life should be. I would like to take the time to read the rest of Clint's passionate, insightful story for you now. He said, normal for my parents and grandparents and even me living in South Africa during apartheid was gut-wrenching. It drove home the point over and over again that your skin color is the very reason your future has a ceiling. That's why my dad took a courageous step in 1996. He didn't want a ceiling on our lives, so we moved to a country that promised something different. It promised the realization of a dream, that if you worked hard enough, the sky is the limit. Our family took America up on that dream, and for us, it appeared to work. We found success, and the color of our skin didn't feel like a hindrance or barrier for our story. But maybe we were one of the lucky ones. Maybe we caught some breaks. Maybe God protected us from experiences and situations that would have made it felt like all we did was move continents. I can't know the fullness of why our experience is the way it was and is, but as I listen to friends who are African-American in this country, I know their story. I know it ancestrally, and I know it personally. I know their reality isn't concocted or fabricated. It's real. And George Floyd's unjust and despicable death painfully lifted a veil on my own eyes. My life was just going on like everyone else's. I had kids to take care of, a lawn to mow, a job to get to, bills to pay. But then race riots broke uh, out blocks from my house, incited by a murder that was also happened blocks from my house. And all of a sudden, I can't ignore what's happening anymore. Not because it's on the news or the internet, but because it's here. I can see it, smell it, hear it, taste it, feel it. And it transported me back to a narrative that's as old as time. Ethnic cleansing, slavery, power-mongering, institutionalized racism, systemic injustice, global pain. It's in the Bible. It's in ancient history. It's in modern history. It's here today. And the question I'm left with is how do we move it forward? The week we just had in Minneapolis is not a new week. It happened many times before in many different places with many different people. Will this be the one to end it all? He says, my pessimism says not a chance, but my optimism believes in a God who says anything is possible. And I want to take him up on that promise. I want that possible. 
I want to see a possible where the color of my skin matters, but not in the way it has up to this point in history. I want my skin color to matter to people. I want them to see who I am, that I have an ancestral story, that I have clothing and food that's uniquely celebratory of my family and heritage, that I have customs and traditions and perspectives that continue, contribute, I should say, to society in ways that make us better together, even though these ideas may not always sound obvious. And that's exactly the point. We can get so focused on our way of thinking, doing, and being that we fail to realize there are other ways or options or approaches. And those approaches may actually be better suited to navigate the times ahead. Maybe one of the reasons we haven't moved as forward as any of us would have hoped on matters of race and injustice is because the voices of people of color aren't always heard. Maybe that's why the riots come sometimes. Indeed, Dr. Martin Luther King once said a riot is the language of the unheard. Maybe some riots are a painfully broken way to call us to a new future. In fact, the final chapters of our scriptures describe a future reality where every tribe, language, people, and nation worship a God who calls them by name. Said another way, the future coming to you and to me in this whole world is one where our diversity is recognized and invited in to contribute to the glory of God. Revelation could have easily said all the people were there, but it didn't use those words. In fact, the author tried to use as many words as he could to describe the diversity he saw. A diversity that was not swept away under the rug or asked to conform. The worship wasn't even in the same language. And what could have well turned into chaos was channeled into beauty, particularly when all that energy and perspective and difference is pointed to God. That's the future that's coming. And this week, we saw the groans and cries of a people that simply want a taste of that future now. So may we work for that future. May we live in ways where the color of our skin matters, but not in ways that drive wedges and perpetuate systems of injustice and prejudice that linger to this day from the global sins of slavery, colonial occupation, and ethnic genocide. May we celebrate the cause of the unheard. May we, the church and the people that work to bring that future now, may we be that people. It's not an easy road ahead. It's not a short road ahead. There are years ahead of us to rebuild, to rebuild trust, to rebuild our city. Again, he's in Minneapolis and our relationships. And I'm putting my stake in the ground now to say I'm in to build that future. As a person of color living in South Minneapolis and as a follower of Jesus, I can't deny this is my call to work for justice, for peace, for hope, for equality, for Jesus. This is our call too. As a church of Jesus Christ, let's go to work to welcome this future. Our world needs Jesus. Minneapolis needs Jesus. Belleville needs Jesus. Our nation needs Jesus. As I read uh, Clint's words and I read that story, I was struck with how incredibly insightful what he was saying was and how he was able to, to see and to articulate through the lens of his experience uh, the, the issues of race in a way that I am not able to understand it. But I learn and I grow as I read and as I listen. You know, Jesus' example to us is that there's only one 
way forward. It's the way of love. As I read comments by, you know, George Floyd's family, beginning with his brother, who passionately asked, he said, if his own family and blood are trying to deal with it and be positive with George's death and go another route to seek justice, then why are you out here tearing up our community? Courtney Ross, George Floyd's girlfriend of three years, said this, waking up this morning to see Minneapolis on fire would be something that would devastate Floyd. She added that she wants everyone to, who took to the streets to know that I understand their frustration, but I want people to protest in a peaceful way. I was once again, again pained over the violence, the violence perpetrated against George Floyd, against, uh, you know, Ahmed Aubrey just a few weeks before that in Atlanta, Georgia, and a host of others, too many to number here today, who died callously at the hands of whites. I'm also pained over the violence advanced by rioters, a violence which, again, disproportionately affects blacks and other minorities more than it does the whites who live in suburbia. Violence is not the answer. No one person did more to advance civil rights than Martin Luther King Jr. And I think it's important to hear his words this morning. Listen to what he said. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to oppressed people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than it will solve. Racism, folks, is not an invading enemy that can be repelled by military might. It's a vile spirit that lurks in the hearts of men and women. The war against racism, therefore, can only be fought in the battleground of the human heart. It has to be fought here. It has to be fought in me. It has to be fought in you. It has to be fought in every one of us. It has to be fought in here, in here. So this morning, what can we all do to fight racism? Well, because the battle is really in here, the first thing that we need to all do is to examine our own heart. Every individual needs to take a serious inventory of their own heart. One of the principles of the kingdom is that if anybody comes to Christ, the Bible says they are a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives to transform us, to alter our nature and shape us into the image of Christ. The more we are like Christ, the more then we are governed from within by his Holy Spirit. And we no longer need to be governed by external forces. So what we need in the world today is more people who are self-governed, more people who are governed from within rather than from the forces who are paid to govern us from without. The more mankind self-governs, the more mankind examines their heart and takes a look inside and, and deals with what's in here, then the less we'll need to be governed by laws and police and other forms of external power. Self-government begins with self-examination. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. 
See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think that's pretty good advice for every one of us listening here this morning. The second thing that we can do, and I'm going to ask my good friend Barry Miracle to come up here with me, is we need to listen to people of color. Now, don't let Barry's skin fool you. Barry is uh, indeed a person of color, even though it's hard to tell sometimes. Uh, but Barry is my great friend and uh, my partner in ministry here for over 20 years. And Barry is uh, a Mohawk man. And for us living in Belleville, the issues of race um, often are, are not just black and white, but they are often, you know, uh, indigenous people, Mohawk people versus settlers and white people that live here. And Barry's own story is one that I have listened to that I have opened my heart to, and that we as a church have opened our heart to numerous times as we've brought in people to educate us, to teach us, to tell their story so that we can learn. And I want to bury today as, a, as a, a, a Mohawk man to tell us a little bit of his story, what it was like to, to live in the midst of racism in our culture here today. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we move forward uh, after that as well. Barry, would you? Sure, please. Good morning, everyone, today. What an amazing job, Pastor Kevin, you did on, on teeing this up this morning. But you might know me as Barry Miracle, but to the government and the Indian Act, my name is 1640-267301. And that is how I am known to the government. I... And, and you see this guy, and he says, don't let it, his color fool you. I'm, some, some of my friends, or actually one of my spiritual sons, calls, says I'm from the Iroquoian tribe, not the Iroquoian tribe. But that's, that's the whole thing, is that I am multiracial. I, 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 I am, according to the government, I'm half Mohawk and then half other. But according to the Mohawk people, you're Mohawk or you're not. So I, I've always grown up with with this um, ideology that I am Mohawk and, and that's it because you're adopted in and, and you just become part of the culture and that's who you are. And and so this is how I was raised. And, but, I, but, you know, besides this, you know, Mohawk that I have very well tamed because of COVID-ness uh, with a lot of gel, but I, I grew up, you know, going to a Mohawk school. I, went, I grew up, you know, in and amongst, you know, darker skinned people, and I'm very much, and the worst thing you could be called in my school below, like, anything else was a white man. And, and that's, you know, part of my history. And, and, and so what do we do? And, you know, there's all kinds of insecurities. We all have our stories. And, and that's what, you know, the whole thing that Pastor Kevin and I are bringing, bringing this to you this morning is that we all have our stories. We all have our backgrounds, but there, we must come at this through the healing of the word of God and the healing of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is our story. This is, this is, you know, my deficits or, or my benefits, because I know the Iroquoian people have brought so much, the Mohawk people, the five nations of the Iroquois Confederacy, the Haudenosaunee, the, the people of the Longhouse, the, the Gunyongehage, the, the people of the Flint were also known as. And, and, and we actually developed 80% of the vegetation you will eat. 
That was a, that's our culture. We, we've brought that to the world. We, there would be no United States of America if it wasn't for the Constitution and the 117 different points that make up the great law that is mainly grace-based in which approximately 80% of the Constitution of the United States was made on. We also kept George Washington alive for the winter or else he would have died. There, there's just so many different things that George Washington was the first president of the United States of America. Sorry. Yeah, just help, helping you Canadians out. But anyway, we, you know, there was a lot, there's a lot of things that my people brought in, but you know, there's, and then there's a lot of things like we, we accepted the foreigners to come in you know, when they first came in 1613, we made a covenant with a, a European government in what would be known as Upper Canada at that time. 1613, the oldest covenant that was ever made in this nation, it's called the Gushwenta, the Gushwenta or Gushwenta, the Turo Wampum, where we would ride down the river, float down the river of life together, not as father and son, but as brothers. And this is what we come to you today, that we must get back to the Goshwenta. We must get back to our original. We know that the foreigners came here. We did not reject them. Then we accepted them. And did everything work out? Were, were treaties broken? Yes. But we cannot be trapped in what happened yesterday we cannot be we cannot hold ourselves in that place we we must not linger in the past disappointments i, I cannot live in, in my childhood and in, in the disappointments and the rejection but we must look to a brighter day we must through the blood of jesus christ that all men came from one blood and we must understand that racism is a demonic thing that was created by a world system to create domination. Mm -hmm. we, we understand as people of color and people of different ethnicity that the England had this idea to propagate. It was called manifest destiny. It was called colonialism. And they had a good idea because they thought they had a God idea. But man got involved in it and a lot of racism happened. But today, Pastor Kevin, I just want to I just want to honor you and bless you and thank you for um, working together. Mm -hmm. We've had you know an am amazing years and you know and and, and I, I we just we're just equals. Mm -hmm. There's not and and we don't look at, at each other, you know. You know, we, I, I joke you. I joke about you being Irish, and <laughs> and you tease me, and we, we have a we have you know a good, healthy, yeah, relationship. So Barry, I, I so appreciate you being transparent about your story here yeah. this morning, and, and and maybe giving people who wouldn't even think about that around in our locale yeah. of what what it's like to have that kind of a, a uh, childhood experience. Yeah. You know, but for you, that was that was your story. Yeah. And and it's so it's it's not that you want to be identified by the story, no. but you want people to appreciate who you are. Yeah. And part of who you are yeah. is Mohawk. Yeah. It's not your whole identity. Your identity is as a child of the King, the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ. But it's part of who you are. And we can't we can't work together if we don't embrace uh, all of the parts that make up Barry, all yeah. the parts that make up 
me, yeah. right? And, and so working together is going forward. We believe that this morning, the only way we can move forward is to move forward together. I'd love to be able to put my arm around him right now and show you what that looks like. But, uh, you know, COVID-19 is in the midst of this season where we're, we're trying to work together, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, Barry and I have walked together, and, and Barry has taught me so much about what it is to be Mohawk. I've, I've been able to be a part of his family, to learn from his traditions, to understand so much about him. But Barry, by the same token, will tell me that, you know, uh, I don't... I don't want to be known just as uh, a, a Native American. I don't want to be just known as a Mohawk. I want to be known as Barry Miracle. I want to have uh, and, and be accepted and loved for who I am and not just my ethnicity. And that leads me to something else I want to talk about. I know one of the things that bugs Barry, you know, is when he gets invited to go to a conference and to welcome people as, uh, what do you call it, Barry, the, the token Indian? The token Indian. <laughs> and, uh, I, I said it, Indian. Yeah, uh, I didn't say it, he said it. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, how, how, that, how does that make you feel when, when, you get, when you get invited to something and you know it's tokenism? Yeah. Well, it depends on how I wake up that morning. <laughs> <laughs> because I have this biracial thing going on. I don't know if I'm supposed to burn the wagons or circle them. <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to say that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. You know what? Sometimes we just take things a little too serious, but there are, we're, we're talking about serious things here this morning, and, and, and that's just part of how somebody deals with, you, you know, crisis sometimes is that you, you learn how to find, mm -hmm. you know, a little levity in the midst of it. And, but um, the, oftentimes, you know, I'm, I'm brought in as a segue to something better. I'm brought in to open up a gate because they know the authority that a First Nations man or mm -hmm. woman have mm -hmm. in this land. That's right. So I'm, I'm welcomed in <clears throat> as, as a gift for the, for the moment. Right. The flavor of the month. Yeah. And, and to sit in and, and fill in a gap and stand in repentance. And then they say, thank you very much. They might give me an honorarium or, or something like that. And then I never hear from them again. Yeah. And it's because my job is done. Mm -hmm. And I'm like the Cape Crusader, but um, <laughs> you rolled in, you saved the day, and then you left again. and then who you know it was like a, a rocket, and then it fizzles out in there. But it's all about relationship, and that's what I appreciate about what we have is this relationship that we're building upon, and and um, we want that, mm -hmm. and we know that the kingdom of God only moves at the speed of relationship, and and we are developing this as we walk together and 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 i'd speak to the people of the kingdom today Amen. and you need to understand we really gave up our rights at the cross and we must do what jesus said honor and prefer one another you want to kill racism yes. you begin to honor and prefer one another Amen. Over yourself, and you know, I believe you mentioned that earlier yeah. in, in the message, is that this, this is 
this is how we're going to defeat this, is we're going to love beyond knowledge. Mm-hmm. We may not understand everything that everybody's going through, and you may, right. not, you may not be able to identify with what I'm going through, but I know there's a lot of biracial people out there, and you said, where in the world do I fit? I, 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 I have this, and, and I have that, and I, this culture and that culture, and where do I fit? I just say, you are welcome in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Period. Amen. You know, Barry's absolutely right. We, we are going to win this thing together. And so our prayer for you today watching is to examine your own heart, take a look inside, see if there is any, any disturbing ways in there, any wicked ways in there, and turn those over to Christ. Yeah. You know, ask God, the God of all glory and grace and mercy, to look into your heart and to expose the areas where maybe racism or hatred lingers and to ask it to be removed. And the second thing, as we've said, is to make sure that you take the time to listen deeply to other people. Listen to what someone of, of a different race, a different color, a, uh, you know, a different uh, heritage has to say about their life, about their experience, about what they have uh, endured and lived through mm-hmm. here, whether it's in Tainanega or whether it's at some other uh, you know, native territory here in North America or whether it's somebody who's black or of Asian descent, uh, somebody who maybe doesn't fit your description but is, is somebody whose uh, story you need to hear so you can appreciate what they've been through. And then for all of us, red, yellow, black, or white, to recognize that we only win if we win together that we're in this together, mm. that we, we have to use relationship. Yeah. And it's our good friend, uh, Bennett June in Haiti, a Haitian yeah. pastor who, who uh, I don't know where he got the phrase, whether he made it up or, or what, but we'll he said the wrong. kingdom of God moves at, at the speed, speed of, of relationship. relationship. We cannot uh, move forward until we're willing to walk in unity, walk in community. We're not talking about uniformity. It's not important that Barry looks the same, talks the same, walks the same as me and I as him. No, no, no. We're talking about unity. We're not talking about sameness. We're talking about oneness. We're talking about deferring to one another. I love what Bill Johnson says. He said, every human being is worthy of honor and respect because every human being is made in the nature of Christ. And so today as we close out this service, and I'm going to ask Barry to pray as we close this morning. I ask you to do those uh, three things, to continuously examine your heart, to listen to other people's stories, to try and gather understanding. You may not have experienced it, but you need to learn from those who have, and then to commit to a life of working together in relationship, in community, in love. And together we will see we will see the pain and the, the, the brokenness of our world healed through the love of Jesus Christ. And we will see people restored. We will see people uh, blessed. We will see people not only accepted, but celebrated for who they are and what they bring to the table as we work together for the glory and the kingdom of God. Thank you for being with us today. And I'm going to ask... Barry, if you would, to close us today in prayer and to ask God to to seal the words that have been shared to the very best of our ability here in this place today to address some of the things that we're experiencing as a world and a culture today. Barry, would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. We, We empathize 
with everything that's going on in the world and the unrest. And we can hunker down and hope that it passes. Or can I suggest something better? That we put up the hope, the sails of hope. And in Jesus' name, harness what the enemy intended for our destruction and begin to use this energy and begin to put up a, a sail of hope and use it to sail into our better day. And I want to speak to everybody with hurts and wounds and insecurities, and especially the people that are in biracial, as they say, relationships and the children. You are somebody at the cross. You are absolutely, I, I've, I've got so much healing, and I just want to release that healing anointing that lifted off the burden and destroyed the yokes yes. of slavery of the past. Mm -hmm. I release it to you right now. If you just accept what Jesus did in his, in his freedom, there is one blood that everyone, every one of us have been made out of one blood, and he predetermined your boundaries, mm -hmm. and so that you would hopefully grope after him, as the Bible says. Mm -hmm. This is our day of reckoning because it's our day of salvation. Mm -hmm. Today is the day that we receive our pathway forward. And we, I just pray that today you would understand a grace and have mercy and begin to honor one another. I release that to you today. The grace to love beyond knowledge. Mm -hmm. you, may, you, think, you may think you know about this race. You may think you know about this person. You may, you may, you, you may think that you know something. I want to tell you, even if you think, and maybe it's even right, I don't know, but I want to suggest that you would love beyond knowledge today. Mm -hmm. Love like Jesus did and honor and prefer even your enemies. This is our call. I bless you today. We release a grace to you, an enabling power to do greater mm -hmm. than we've ever done before. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Bless you guys. Have a great amen. week amen. and be part of all the different events that we're going to have, the women's group mm -hmm. and the youth and, 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 and prayer times. So just enjoy all, the, all that we have um, that we're offering here at Desert Stream. Bless you guys. Amen. Bless you, Pastor Kevin. Amen. Thank you, Barry. Today, we're so grateful that you were able to be part of our celebration and our worship today. We're so grateful that you've been able to join us and you've been able to participate, but we ask that you also engage, take everything that we talked about today, everything that's been spoken, everything that's been prayed, put it into practice, engage in our world for the kingdom of God with the healing hope of Jesus Christ. Engage. We thank you for being with us today. The Lord bless you. Have an amazing week, and until next Sunday, stay safe, stay filled with love, and give it away. Hey everybody, Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to 
Check, check in with us next week. Be a part of our expression again and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless